Hi everybody, my name is Ben and welcome to Headcanon, the podcast dedicated to exploring the vast reaches of cinematic universes that never were and never shall be. Every week on this podcast, I select a movie at random from a carefully curated list of some of the weirdest and most obscure movies I've never seen, I watch and review it, and then I try to imagine what it would be like if I was given the opportunity to expand it into a soulless, cash-grab, multimedia franchise. I pitch sequels, prequels, spin-offs, crossovers, gritty reboots, TV shows, video games, and even porn parodies, taking movies that never got the attention they deserved and giving them far more attention than they deserve. Welcome back to the show, everybody. This is episode 29, the penultimate episode of season 3 of the podcast. Uh, once again, a numbering system that nobody but me cares about on a podcast that nobody but me cares about. Uh, this is Head Cannon. Thank you for, for returning to the show. Or if this is your first episode, thank you for joining me for the first time. And if you listen to my intro there, this is a podcast where I, I pitch out the multimedia franchises of movies, uh, usually movies that I, I don't know anything about, and sometimes movies where I, I have a sneaking suspicion that they might be porn. Or at least that's that's what it, it's going on this week. I'm watching a movie called Lethal Target, and uh, I, I talked about it last week. I, I I watched a movie called 4D Man, and then I, I picked my random category, and it was sci-fi, and then I picked the random movie, and it was Lethal Target from 1999. And the reason I, I think this might be porn, and I, I feel like this is something that was bound to happen eventually. I, I've, been, I've been kind of expecting it just because I deal in obscure cult films and exploitation films, and I'm picking these films mostly sight unseen from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. And I'm, well, I mean, obviously I have, I have the modern category for new movies and the classic category for old movies, which is actually what last week was. But most of my movies are going to come from the, uh, the arena where it might be difficult to tell the difference between softcore porn and a regular movie if it's cheap enough and it's, you know, released direct to video. And I, 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 I looked up the director for this movie. His name is Lloyd A. Samandel. And as soon as I, I figured out who he was and what other movies he'd done, that's when I remembered why I had today's movie, Lethal Target, on my list. And that's because uh, Lloyd A. Samandel is the director of the the Empire of Ash trilogy. And I should have said that with like, like a lilt in my voice. I should have said the Empire of Ash, Ash trilogy. Not the Empire of Ass trilogy. That's going to be the porno parody title that I come up with when I eventually watch the Empire of Ash trilogy. And the reason I say it like a, like a question mark should be at the end of that is because there's only two movies in it. There's an Empire of Ash 1, or just, well, Empire of Ash, and it's like a post-apocalyptic sci-fi movie. And then there's Empire of Ash 3, but there is no Empire of Ash 2, and I don't know why. There are conflicting explanations, but none of them really make sense to me. But I think it's literally just like they skipped it, and they maybe... Maybe they didn't know that 2 comes before 3, or, or that 3 comes after 2, I don't know. But there's only one other franchise that I can think of that did this, and they did it on purpose, and they did it sort of as a, a parody or a joke, and that's uh, the Thanksgiving movies, which I probably won't watch, because I, I fucking hate both of them, and I don't want to subject myself to those again, but there was a movie called Thanksgiving. I don't know if it was a trauma movie or just sort of like a trauma movie, but it was a killer turkey on Thanksgiving, and it was like a wise-cracking puppet creature that killed people. And then they did Thanksgiving 3, which was like... The movie was about the missing movie Thanksgiving 2, where like if you watched the movie, it was so bad that you'd die or something, or maybe it would end the world, I don't remember. And it, it was a really terrible, terrible movie that you shouldn't watch. I shouldn't even be mentioning it, because it might lead some people to seek it out, and you shouldn't. It's, hor it's horrible. But that's just the only example of that that I can think of, that they fucking forgot to do 2 and did 3 anyway. 
I mean, I, I guess you could count the House movies, which I've mentioned before on the podcast, where they did House 1 and 2, and then they, they just tacked on a movie called The Horror Show in as House 3, and then they did House 4. But if you weren't aware of the alternate title of the third one, you would go, well, what the fuck happened to 3? Well, it was this other movie that had nothing to do with 1 or 2. So, But this wasn't even that, I don't think. Well, I mean, I, I obviously don't think that because there's no alternate Empire of Ash 2. There's just 1 and 3. And I believe he did both of them, so like he was in control of it. It wasn't like another studio went like, well, this is the third one, right? We're making Empire of Ash 3. Like, they were just making a chintzy sequel. I think he was directly involved with both of them, and either deliberately or by accident, skipped the se- the first sequel. Uh, but anyway, uh, he has a couple other movies on my list. And uh, again, as I was going through his filmography, this is when I, I started to think, like, oh, I think I think this might be porno, because he seems to have a very, like, Jim Ranowski-style progression to his career, where he started out in, I want to say, legitimate, semi-legitimate, B, straight-to-video, presumably mostly movies. In fact, uh, yeah, I'm looking at all these. I don't think any of these ever were in theaters. But uh, he started doing, like, sci-fi stuff, like Roger Cormany stuff, and then you can see a definite evolution of his filmography, where by the end of it, I'm... I mean, I'm looking through these. I'm almost certain all of them are softcore porn. So I don't know where the line is. I don't know if Lethal Target... And I can't find a lot of information on it, but I I don't know if this is, like, one of the, the later of his not-porn, slightly mainstream movies, or is it one of the earliest of his post-mainstream softcore porn career, or is it somewhere in the middle? I don't know. So I'm going to find out. It's possible I might just start watching porn for this podcast, and I've, I've been wanting to avoid this for a while. Like I said, I knew it was going to happen eventually. And some of the other movies I already had my, on my list, Escape Velocity, which I, I know I have it on my list to watch, but as I'm thinking about it, I think I might be mixing it up with something else. There's a movie... I think I'm thinking of Millennium Crisis. There was a movie that I put on my list because it was one of the uh, the Alan Smithy movies, basically movies where a director took their name off it and put Alan Smithy on there. And But now I'm thinking of a different movie, I think. So actually, I don't even really know what Escape Velocity is. I know it's a sci-fi movie of some kind, but it's on my list to watch, much like Lethal Target was, where I didn't really know much about it. Uh, I, I watched the trailer for it. It looks like an alien ripoff, and it doesn't look like softcore porn, but again, I don't know. And I also have Fatal Conflict, which I'm almost certain is a softcore porn movie because it has Carrie Wurr in it. I've never known how to pronounce that name. Wurr? It's like W-U-R-H-E-R? Wurr? Wurr? Maybe? I don't know. And then he also did Cracker Jack 3, apparently, which I didn't even know fucking Cracker Jack 3 was a thing. And if you don't know, the Cracker Jack movies, uh, they, they were like a trilogy, apparently. Maybe there's even four or five of them, I don't know, of action movies where they... And this wasn't like on purpose or anything. They recast the main actor who played, and I, I want to say his last name was Cracker Jack. It might have just been a code name, but it might have been like John Cracker Jack. And like a different actor played him in, in all the movies. The second one, which I don't think this guy directed, was Judge Reinhold. And apparently there's a third one as well, so it, it counts for my trilogy thing. I got to put that on there. But uh, and, I, and it's a different actor again, so I have to look up how many movies are in the Cracker Jack franchise and put that on my franchise list. But that's it for for Lloyd A. Samandel, and uh, that that's just gonna be Lethal Target from 1999, and it doesn't look doesn't look very good, folks. I mean, I I was very like I was in a bad headspace last time with with 4D Man. I don't know if that movie might have been a little better in my estimation if I'd come at it with a different uh, sort of mood. But this, I'm 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 bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. I'm clear-eyed. I'm I'm coming at this with as little bias as possible. But just judging by that trailer and judging by some of the expectations I've developed reading this guy's filmography, I'm I'm not holding out too much hope for this. But that's what this podcast is for. Maybe I'll be surprised. Maybe I will discover another diamond in the rough. Uh, 
That that remains to be seen. I'm going to pause the podcast here. I'm going to watch Lethal Target from 1999, and then I'm going to come back and tell you what I think. Nikola Alexandra Savage, a.k.a. Nikki Savage, a.k.a. Alexandra Nichols, a.k.a. Nikki Knight. The subject is to be presumed extremely dangerous. I don't have any cards left, pal. The name is Max. Max? Where the hell are you? Inside your head. The nanochip, remember? I must be crazy. What is one of the reasons you were chosen for this mission? Yes. Team of scientists conducted an experimental mission to an unknown appointment in the day next Only one member of the team was recovered, Dr. Caroline Dane. Does she know anything? Not yet, but she's suspicious. She's transferring the bug on purpose? She's the queen bee, and the other two are the workers. Mucus membrane transfer. Probably the most effective. You could have been the third victim of the evening. But there are lots of dark corners and shadowy places on a ship like this. Things one shouldn't go by themselves. That sounds like a threat, Doctor. Just a warning. Do we understand each other? You want me to mind my own business and stay out of yours, right? Exactly. Ah! I didn't hurt you too much, did I? I think something came back with Dr. Dane. Something? Our friends from the other side are much stronger than we are. Much more powerful. There's more than one kind of science, Marshall. And there's more than one kind of research. What happens if I get into trouble? You've got to help me get off this ship. Do I have any backup? Yes. Ah. He's on you, Nicky. He's on you. Run! And I'm back, and I've watched Lethal Target from 1999, and I guess the best thing I can say about this movie is I'm not entirely sure that it's porn, or maybe it started out as porn, and when I say porn, I of course mean softcore porn, there's not like insertion or anything, but I'm, I'm thinking maybe this movie started out as a softcore porn movie, and was then maybe heavily cut down, and then they cut in sequences that like wouldn't have been in a softcore porn movie with a giant prosthetic alien monster in it to make it sort of an alien ripoff instead of a 
Emmanuel in space or Femalian ripoff. I don't know if that's what it would have been otherwise. But this movie, it's a Frankenstein's monster of a, of like 90s softcore porn movies and shitty 90s straight-to-video sci-fi movies. And none of it works. It's not thought-provoking in the way a sci-fi film should be. It's not sexy in the way a softcore porn movie should be. It's just... It's just gross and wrong in, in every dimension. But uh, this movie, Lethal Target, from 1999, like I said, directed by Lloyd A. Samandel. And, you know, like I said, his career sort of started in a mainstream way and then kind of went into the softcore direction. And I, I do feel like this movie might have been... I, I mean, I'm just, just throwing this out here. I have no evidence to back this up. But just the feeling of it, I, I feel like this movie might have been his his gateway into softcore porn. Like, this was a movie where they were like, hey, we've seen you make these shitty straight-to-video movies without boobs in them. What if you made them with boobs in them? And he just went, I'll try it out. I'll, I'll get my, my boob movie feet wet. And he, he made this movie, and then they were like, yeah, I don't know, this doesn't really work as a softcore porn movie. Let's cut out all but a couple of the, the fucking shitty scenes where it's like, it's all slow-mo, and they're fucking, and it's like simulated sex and then add a monster in there to see if we can get the mainstream audience hooked and then the next movie you do you know maybe we can try it again and you can do a little better i i don't know again i don't know that for sure but that's what this movie feels like it feels like it it never really knew what it wanted to be but either of the directions it could have gone like it was never going to be a good movie anyway so it's like yeah might as well just shit something out that nobody will watch anyway it'll just stay on the shelf and then some fucking asshole with a podcast will find it 20 years later and watch it and talk about how much it sucks i think that was the plan all along i think it was it was a a, a massive uh forward-thinking agenda setting setting my podcast up for failure and the thing about lethal target is it kept like tricking me like it, it kept it started out and i'm like oh this is definitely softcore porn because it starts out on an all-female prison planet and i'm thinking like in the grand tradition of star slammer or caged heat 3000 and i i this sounds like the worst thing in the world but i found myself counting the upskirt panty shots because it's all these women working in this like asteroid mine and they're just they're lifting rocks and pushing bales and just in there were three of them in the first three minutes of the film of just a woman bending over and you seeing her relatively clean panties for somebody who was otherwise dressed in like slave rags on a prison planet but you, you had to get that nice ass shot in there and it's like okay this is what i've gotten myself into do i turn it off do i just come out here this week with a completely different movie and go i know i previewed that movie lethal target but here's the explanation for why i had to switch it and do something else but I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to set that precedent. I've never done that before. I, I've not even re-rolled before. I've yet to exert my right to re-roll a movie that I think is going to be bad. So uh, the idea that I would give up five minutes into a movie, it's very abhorrent to me. So I, I kept going. And then then after the upskirt shots, there wasn't really a lot that was porny. I'm like, wow, this, this is a lot of setup for a movie. That if it, if it is going to be a softcore porn movie, you get the main character. I want to say her name was Nikki Savage. She had three other code names that were equally as silly and, and sort of punchy, but Nikki Savage is, I think, the one they went with. And she's a, she's like a Snake Plissken character. She's a prisoner, and she's gruff and rough and tumble, and she gets uh, pulled out of the, the, the prison to be sent on this special mission to for leniency on her sentence. And uh, the, the mission is to go on the space station to go undercover. I don't know why she needs to go undercover. Ultimately, it doesn't really matter all that much. But she she has to go undercover on this ship as like the new marshal because the previous marshal died, and she has to figure out what's going on because they haven't communicated. And there's evidence of some kind of 
on inhuman life form on uh, extraterrestrial DNA has been located or something or life science. I don't. Okay, I'm gonna sound like I'm really confused, but it, the movie is really confused. The plot of this movie, once you get into the details, once she gets onto this spaceship and she's got to figure out the mystery of what's going on, it is. I almost want to say the most incomprehensible in terms of of plots of movies that I've watched on this podcast. That's not technically true. Like Exterminator City is way more incomprehensible, but it was a lot more fun and engaging. So even if I wasn't necessarily understanding all the plot beats as I was watching them, I was still enjoying the film for what it was. Whereas this, it is both incomprehensible and fucking boring as shit to the point where I couldn't engage with it enough to pay attention to the details. Or, or maybe I was, I was absorbing the details, but the details didn't fit together in any way, so I couldn't, I couldn't piece together the puzzle, and ultimately all I, I could come to the conclusion that there was no puzzle, it was just a bunch of bullshit. But, anyway, she gets to this ship, and the entire crew is in cryogenic stasis, I didn't get the, the reason for why they were, but there's just this, this crazy, creepy, like, Ilsa doctor, and this other guy who, I don't even think they explained what he did, he's just some guy with glasses, he's just sort of the generic male love interest, and, then there's another girl who some guy's having sex with. They're, they're conducting some kind of sex experiments, and that's where you get a lot of the, the softcore sex scenes. And again, none of them, none of them are sexy. And a lot of them are kind of, I want to say like diegetic to the, to the film. Like they have dialogue beats and plot beats in them, so it's not just like we cut away from the plot and, and do a sex scene. Some of them are like that, but a lot of them actually are incorporated, which I guess it's to the film's credit. I don't know if I want to quite say that. Uh, but anyway, Nikki Savage is, is trying to figure out what's going on here, trying to find if, if there is an alien presence on this ship. Ultimately, like I said, it just becomes an alien ripoff. Apparently, there was an experiment in time travel, and they explicitly call it a time travel experiment. And the reason I'm stressing that is because it never fucking comes up again. The fact that it's time travel as opposed to parallel realities or anything else, it's just the thing where... They sent these people through this portal. Only one of them came back alive. That was the Doctor character. And she was apparently changed somehow. And you eventually find out she was infected by these creatures that are evidently from the future, if we're assuming it's time travel, or the distant past. They never specify. And they uh, they infected her with this thing, and she's now like this queen bee, and she can infect other people. Or rather, women. I, I think it's just women, because the infection ultimately causes, like... Well, I was going to say like a pregnancy. What it's like is exactly like the chest burster from Alien, just with shittier special effects. It is that derivative. I mean, there are a lot of Alien ripoffs in the sense that they are a self-contained sci-fi thriller where a monster stalks a person in a vaguely sci-fi setting. In fact, the, the, the Manito, the 10th the episode of this podcast, on the poster, I, I kept talking about that as an exorcist ripoff, but the poster's tagline was, like, in the grand tradition of Alien. And really, it was just the, a creature comes out of a, a lady's body, and that, that's the only connection to Alien. Uh, you know, And it's not even like an alien chestburster birthing sequence, really. But, but even that was an Alien ripoff, apparently. This is hugely... like The, the, the Alien literally comes out of the, the woman's chest or stomach I guess and it's a chest burster alien it looks exactly like it and then it literally dives into the the ducks immediately like you know the other iconic thing from alien that the, going through the ducks well, I guess that's more aliens than alien but uh, but yeah that that's it's it's just so shameless and that's independent of all the fucking sex scenes in it that are also shameless but I, I want to start out with just how how poorly made this movie is this is the kind of movie where, because it's a sci-fi movie, there were there were actors that were so bad in it 
that I started to question if they were playing robots. Like, is that going to be a reveal? Like, multiple characters are just doing this very monotone. And I'm assuming they're stunt, like, stunt men, stunt women that, that, I mean, later on in the movie, they, they fight, and they're very good at that, so I'm assuming they just said, eh, whatever, try to act, and they couldn't, but it's like, I'm, I'm thinking, like, is that gonna be a thing? Are these gonna be, like, her automaton soldiers or something? And then, and some of the, the dialogue, it feels like, if you were doing a parody of a movie like this, you would have this dialogue this way. I'm gonna put something in here, in between, you know, when I do my review and when I do my pitches, and it's just gonna be the first significant bit of dialogue but I could literally pick anything. Any any longer than two-page scene of two people talking is the dumbest dialogue delivered in the most arch and... How do I even describe it? Because one of the weird things, this is more of an editing thing, lines are always left way too long. It's like they forgot to trim the end of scenes where like they stop talking and they stare at the other one to sort of prompt them to talk. And you know, you have your back and forth, you have your coverage, but you're supposed to trim those so that it feels tight, so it feels like a dynamic conversation. But they don't ever do that here. And it's it's not ever in such a way where like it feels like a boom mic drop where it's so obviously poorly edited, like somebody cracks or smiles or or like goes, Wait, now you talk, right? It's never like that, but it's it's just enough where the dialogue is always very slow and plotting, in addition to just being written very poorly. And of course it doesn't help that the things they have to say but not just in terms of, of the writing and the quality of the writing, but the structure and the plot beats don't make any sense and they don't fit together. So they're saying things very urgently, but you don't get the sense of urgency because none of this shit makes any sense. And then you get to the, the fucking special effects. The monster, the monster is, is, is shit. It looks terrible, but it looks good enough that you wonder why they bothered for a movie like this. Like, you'd think it would be worse, given that the only reason to rent this movie back in the day would have been the sex scenes. And again, the sex scenes aren't sexy, but at least they're sex scenes. I don't think anybody went, I need to see this because of the fucking mythology of Lethal Target. But this thing looks, it, it looks terrible, but at least it looks like full size. It's not clearly not like a miniature or a stop motion creature. It looks like they had a thing the size of a room, maybe even some animatronic work. I mean, there's definitely some puppetry involved. So they, they put... They didn't put enough effort in it to, that you would say, like, this is a, 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 a I was going to say a decent movie, even a movie. This isn't like the bare minimum you would, quality you would, you would apply to a real movie, but it's more than you'd think a movie this bad would do. And that's, that's where I think that maybe there were some kind of behind the scenes shenanigans going on where they were like, we think this is going to be one kind of movie, but it's not good enough to be that kind of movie. So let's wedge this shit in here to make it a different kind of movie. And then it just becomes no kind of movie at all. And like, you see the exteriors of the ship. And I don't know if you ever saw the show Red Dwarf. It's actually one of my favorite British TV shows. It's a sci-fi show from the eighties, but it was known for being very cheap in terms of its special effects and stuff. And that was part of its charm. It was like a goofy comedy. You know, this movie is not a goofy comedy. It's not trying to be charming. But the special effects in 1999 look like the shitty BBC TV show special effects from the 80s from Red Dwarf. And that's only... I mean, if you know that reference, you know how shitty this movie looks. But I'm just thinking 1999. Isn't that when the fucking Matrix came out? They were doing bullet time and Lethal Target was doing this shit? 
It's it's disgusting. It it, it just made me uncomfortable. And I, I mean, if you've listened to this podcast up to this point, you know that I am an easy lay for this kind of stuff. I always talk about special effects and even acting as the ephemera of movies. That the writing is what matters. And I'm saying the writing is terrible, obviously. But it takes a lot for me to judge a movie on its acting or its special effects. I am willing to forgive a lot as long as the story is told well, and I can kind of you know keep that stuff out of my mind and just distill it to its most essential points the story the characters the world building all of that good stuff this movie had none of that so all i could focus on was just how shitty it looked at one point i just wrote in my notes garth Marenghi's dark place if you ever saw that show it feels like the real life version of that there's there's a point where she sits in what is I believe meant to be like a VR simulator. No, in fact, she says, what is this, a VR simulator? And he's like, no, it's better. And then he flips a thing over her face. But the thing isn't like VR goggles or some kind of prop that they made. It's literally just like a 90s computer monitor. And it's just like, that's, yeah, that's better than VR. This fucking Dell computer monitor you just put over her face. Uh, oh, and the, I mean, the CG, I'm not going to complain about the CG. It's bad, of course, but, you know, it's 1999 and it's straight to video. But the props in this movie, they use, like, old laptops. Like, I had an old laptop around this time in the, in the late 90s, and it looks like they, they took that for all the computers. And they all have guns, but they're real guns. And ordinarily, I would say that's an interesting twist on a sci-fi thing where I expect them to have laser guns. But I know that was just because those were the props they had, probably some from some other non-sci-fi action movie, where, like, no, they probably wanted to have laser guns, they just didn't do it, because no, nobody on set knew how to make a fucking laser gun. And I swear to fucking God, at the end of this movie... She puts a floppy disk into a computer terminal. A fucking floppy disk. And it's not like a joke, like, isn't it funny that we're in the future and she's still using floppy disks? It's like they thought in the actual future we'd still be using... Were we even using floppy disks in 1999? No, that was just the one thing they had where they probably took apart an old computer, made it into that console, and said, well, let's put a floppy disk in so it looks like she's putting something into this computer. But it's clearly a fucking floppy disk. Fuck! Oh, jeez. And, you, okay, well, you know what? Speaking of fucking, that, that'll be my transition, because that's a better transition than anything in this movie. Uh, I should talk about the sex scenes. And I guess, to the film's credit, again, I don't want to say to the film's credits, because it shouldn't get any, but they do integrate the sex scenes, at least narratively. She is a crazy, over-sexualized... They call her a queen bee, her spreading this virus that makes women turn pregnant and spit out these monsters. So, like, there, there's this idea of, like, this kind of sexual, I guess, pheromone thing, where she's... I, I, I don't know, they never really adequately explain it, but she's fucking all the time, this doctor who is sort of the de facto captain of the ship. They don't explain, I guess maybe the captain is one of the people in cryo-freeze or cryostasis or whatever, but she, and, and at the beginning of the, the, the movie, the, Nikki Savage comes to this ship and she's supposedly replacing the previous marshal, who's like the, the top cop on the ship, who died, and she's undercover, and she's undercover as the new marshal, and, and she asks, like, she asks about her cover. She's got this, like, implant in her head and she can talk to a computer just by thinking, and they, as you might expect, they use this for a lot of uh, ADR exposition they, they forgot to include in dialogue. But at, at one point, she goes like, okay, what's my cover story? What's my name? What am I? And she's, oh, this is your name. I don't remember what her, her fake name was. And they say, you're a, a non-monogamous tantric. 
And she's like, what is that? Well, that's a, a, a religious order of, of like hyper-sexualized people that believe all relationships should be intensely sexual. And she's like, oh, so I'm a space slut. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's right, this is going to be porn. And then throughout the entire movie, the, the doctor lady's like, oh, that's right, because she's a tantric. She's going to want to get down on some of this fucking, and I'm going to watch her fuck through the, through the computer monitors. And, and then the one guy, the, the glasses guy, who he, at first he's working for the doctor, but then he falls in love with Nikki Savage and is working for her, I think. Again, anytime I discuss plot points in this movie, it has to end with, I think, because I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure that's it, but I'm not totally sure. But anyway, they're falling in love, and, and she's, he's supposedly seducing her, but maybe he's really into it, and they're having sex. And then they cut away, they pull out, and it's a computer monitor, and, and then the doctor lady is, is having a threesome watching them have sex. So it's like sexception. And I, I'm pretty sure she has this threesome for like 30 more minutes of, of movie time, which I am almost certain is multiple days of narrative time. Because at one point they say like, sorry about yesterday, and she's still having the threesome. But like she broke it up, like she she had a a scene where like they they had a showdown with a gun to her head and everything, and then she's apologizing for it. But she's having the same threesome she was having before, so it was like she took a break from it, and it's a a multi-day lesbian threesome, <laughs> which I, I I don't know if I did I mention this. I don't understand this in movies, the the combination of sex scenes that are purely just let's watch two people simulate having sex in the middle of a sci-fi movie or a horror movie. I get porn. And I even get softcore porn, and if you, if you don't want to watch, like, Penetration, you just want something a little more titillating. But at the end of the day, it's meant to be arousing. But I never understood, like, well, oh, I want to see these two teens having sex, and then I want to see Jason come out of the woods and kill him. Like, that's not arousing. Is it, is it something about the, the shift in tone that, like, ooh, that's sexy. Oh, no, that's not sexy anymore. Is that what you're looking for? Like, because in this movie, it's like, oh, let, let's have sex, and then let's go fight a fucking alien monster. I don't get the appeal of this structure of film, is what I'm saying, and I, I just, I've, I've never understood that. But anyway, they're all fucking uh, quite a bit. There's like an extended lesbian massage sequence that n- doesn't have any bearing on the movie. The fact that she's getting a, a naked massage at the time, rather than doing anything else, rather than, I don't know, doing science, she's a fucking doctor on the ship. No, she's got to be getting a, a naked massage by another woman uh, in the middle of a, a scene of dialogue. And just even by the standards of 90s softcore porn, it just, it isn't shot well, it, it isn't romantic or sexual or dirty or anything it, it just it's bland it just falls flat on the screen i i literally thought during most of the sex scenes in this movie like i, I really want to fast forward through this and i the only reason i didn't is because i didn't want to miss any uh, quote unquote plot i didn't want to do that because i feel like i can't legitimately critique a movie if i'm fast forwarding and skipping scenes but in this one i, I was so tempted because it's like okay they're fucking Oh my god, they're still fucking. Why won't they stop fucking? Get get to the plot that I don't care about. You know, it's it's a movie that made me bored of boobs. That's how boring this movie is. And there there could have been something here if you made like a like a sexual bioshock, like a ship where they're conducting weird sexual experiments and then it goes really dark and fucked up with like sex freaks and mutants and things. Like that could have been something. It, anything but what we got, which was nothing. You know, you have you have Nikki Savage, she's trying to solve a mystery, putting clues together that aren't really clues and don't make sense, and then some people fuck, and then the third act, they're they're fighting the alien, and like I said, it's it's fine No, fine is too too good for this alien. It's it's 
it's not as bad as some things I've seen before. That's as good as I can say. But they're fighting the alien, and it just gets really dumb at that point. There's one point where she's running in the hallway, and the alien, you don't see it yet, but it comes up from, like, a grate, but it's just, like, the shape, like, it's trying to punch through the grate, so you see it, like, bending. And then she starts shooting at the grate, like, shooting bullets into the the alien, like, as it's pushing through the grate. But... It's basically just making the alien's job easier because it's making the grate more pliable and porous for it to bust out. And it's not like she, her bullets are going to be effective in that scenario. So it's, it's it, there are multiple scenes just in this sequence, the whole movie, of course, but this sequence that if you cut them out and, and did like a so bad it's good sort of analysis of them, you could get so much material out of it. There's the, the love interest guy. He, he, just decides all of a sudden to like become Rambo. He takes his shirt off and he slings a gun across his chest. But the visual language of the film is so poorly done that you think there must be more than one alien, I guess, because she kills the alien. She fucking blows it up with a rocket launcher. And then, apropos of nothing, not thinking that there's any threat anymore, he finds a bunch of weapons and goes all Rambo. And up to this point, he's kind of like an affable nerd. But now he's like this Rambo guy. And apparently there was a second alien because he starts fighting it. And they're fighting and it's on top of this elevator going down. And he sacrifices himself and, and explodes the elevator. And he just, he does this like, die with me alien scream. And it's just so fucking goofy. This movie is just nothing but goofball and bullshit. I never knew what was going on. I, I just wanted it to end at pretty much every moment of it. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm on the fence whether it was better or worse than 4D Man. I mean, at least it did have boobs in it. They weren't presented very well, but I mean, 4D Man didn't even have that. All it had was, well, but it had a good, strong central performance amid a lot of crap, so I don't, I don't know. I didn't like the Nikki Savage character necessarily. The Doctor was kind of fine as like a femme fatale villain, but other than that, this, this movie was garbage. But then that movie was, maybe, maybe I shouldn't even bother trying to compare them. They were both garbage. I'm throwing the garbage out, and I'm putting both of these in the garbage. Fucking Lethal Target. Don't, do I have to say don't watch it? When are you ever going to seek out Lethal Target? If you happen upon it somehow by accident, thinking it's something else, don't watch it. If you, if you find it at your, your shitty hipster video store that still sells VHS because it's kitsch now, don't fucking rent Lethal Target. Uh, that, that's all I gotta say about that. Well, that's all I gotta say about my review anyway. Now I'm gonna pause this episode, and I'm gonna come back, and I'm gonna pitch my ten-point plan for the cinematic universe for Lethal Target, and I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna give you some fair warning right now. I had to invent a lot of more interesting ideas and things to insert into this to make this interesting because there was nothing fucking here. Halfway through this movie, I was so worried that this would be like a lost episode. Like, there's no way I can turn this into a cinematic universe. I feel like I did, but I had to cheat a lot. So that's what you, you're going to get here. I'm going to pause it here. And I'm going to come back with my multimedia franchise for Lethal Target. So stay tuned for that. My name is Max. I'm your fairy godmother. Where's your wand? Right here. It can do almost anything. Can it get me out of here? If you play your cards right. I don't have any cards left, pal. The name is Max. Yeah. I still don't have any cards left. You can always bluff. Why don't you stop being so obscure and get to the point? I've got a sentence to serve, 
And I don't like playing games. You're right, Nikki. You don't have any cards. What's more, you murdered a cop. A dirty cop. And it was a setup from the start. Or does that little magic wand of yours tell you that's out of the story? I know a lot of things, Nikki. Mm. Probably more than you know. You were the best undercover agent the service ever had. You've got guts and brains and intuition. And you don't know when to quit. You've been here almost two years, and you're still alive. For Titan, that's saying something. What are you selling, Max? Who says I'm selling anything? You wouldn't be in this godforsaken place if you didn't want something from me. What? We need your help. <laughs> and who's we? You don't need to know. What do I get out of the deal? Exactly. You pull this off, we shave five years off your sentence. <laughs> five years? Make it ten. And get me out of the mines. No more hard labor. Eight. And I'm back, and I've got my 10-point plan for the cinematic universe for Lethal Target, or more specifically, the version of Lethal Target in my head that is much better, and then I kind of fudged a little bit to, to come up with these movies. And and first I gotta say, spoilers, this is getting sillier and sillier every week as I say, I'm gonna spoil this movie. When the movies are as bad as this, I don't care about spoilers because I'm insisting that you don't watch them. I mean, I, I can't tell you how to live your life. If you want to watch shitty movies, go ahead. If you want to watch Lethal Target and jerk off to the incredibly unsexy sex scenes and then lose your... your softcore boner when the fucking slimy alien shows up be my guest you know it's your life do what you want but i'm just saying i don't care if i spoil this movie there's no plot to spoil in this movie but on the off chance that you're gonna be like oh you, you spoiled the, the twist ending when they fucked again the spoilers abound from this point forward i can't explain my sequels and prequels and spinoffs without explaining key details from the movie so if you do want to see lethal target Go stop the podcast now, watch the movie, and then come back, and then we can enjoy this process together. Well, to the extent that I'm enjoying this process at this point, this is two horrible movies in a row. I I don't know, like, if I get, like, ten in a row, am I just going to give up? Uh, No, I'm not going to do that. I I pledge to to keep... You know what? I failed at most things in my life. My life is just a a long slog of of unrealized promised potential, so I'm almost certainly going to give up on this podcast eventually, but not today. Today, I'm going to keep going, and and today, I'm saying spoiler warning going forward. And the other thing is, I've got a website and an email address if you want to email the podcast with questions, concerns, insults, and most importantly, requests. I will do any movie by request, assuming I can afford it, and it's not like a snuff film or something. So please do request a movie, and I'll I'll review it. I'll pitch out the cinematic universe for it. And you can email those requests to headcanon at gmail.com. That's H-E-A-D-C-A-N-N-O-N podcast at gmail.com. I'm sorry, that's Headcanon Podcast. I think I just said Headcanon. Headcanon Podcast at gmail.com. That's the email address. And the, the 
the website. I assume most people find me on iTunes. So if you want to get to my official website, it's Headcanon Podcast, spelled the same way, at blogspot.com. Or sorry, dot blogspot.com. I'm making mistakes all over the place. This fucking movie has frazzled my brain with its shittiness. So let's just move on. Email me if you want. Visit my website if you want. Leave the podcast and, and avoid spoilers if you want. But here it is, the sequel. I start with it as always. And for my sequel, I'm I'm continuing with the Nikki Savage character and where she goes next. What's her next mission? Like I said, she was a prisoner on this all-female prison colony. And she was plucked out of there to go on this secret, I think, government mission. I, they were never really quite clear on it, but I'm assuming it's like the interstellar government or something that sent her on this to, to fight these aliens. So I'm saying, well, she she's still... You know the property of the of this government. Essentially, she's still a prisoner. She got a couple years off her sentence, but it wasn't complete. So much like Snake Plissken, she's she's gonna keep getting roped into these situations where the government's sending her on these dangerous missions. You know because she is both highly skilled and also highly expendable. So uh, anyway, you, you get you get her on this this not, this next mission, and it's to infiltrate the religious cult of the non-monogamous tantrics. And the reveal is. The, the, these tantrics, they, they believe that all relationships are sexual. Their, their religion is defined by sexuality. So the idea is it's sort of like, like, you know, in Star Trek, it's all about meeting new, new life and new civilizations and becoming better through the, the consequences of that meeting through diplomacy and, and learning about other cultures. And their version of that is, well, if we just fuck every other culture we meet, we'll be able to sort of intermix with them and learn more about them and learn more about ourselves. And, and so that's, that's a, a crucial part of their religion is, like sexual ecstasy as the medium through which peace and prosperity thrives. So like when the Vulcans, they greet you by doing that little thing with their hands where it kind of sort of makes the the shape of a vagina, they just throw out their vaginas. And I'm saying it's mostly women. I'm saying this is like, because again, this is a purient sort of softcore porny thing. A lot of the sex scenes in the movie are lesbian sex scenes. So I'm saying this religious cult of tantrics is mostly women. Because uh, men in a religion about fucking everything that moves is just kind of kind of creepy you know with women it's a it's a sort of sensual sapphic scenario for men it's something i don't want to watch so anyway you have this cult of of hot sexy ladies that that like to have sex all the time and she's infiltrating them because you find out that over the course of this interstellar sexual crusade they have created this sort of super virus that you find out is actually the the cause of the mutation that results in the aliens from the first film. They aren't aliens after all. They're a, a, a form of mutated human, and more of them are springing up as sort of like sexual transmitted disease on every planet because this this cult of tantrics are on every planet spreading their their sexual wisdom and spreading the disease along with it. So uh, Nikki Savage is is sent into their their home world, into their home planet, to try to figure out if this is like a like a you know, a deliberate plan, or if it's just an accident, and if it is deliberate, to, to take out whoever's enacting the plan, either you kill the queen of the tantrics or something, I don't know exactly how it would work out, but that would be the reveal, obviously, is that it's a sexually transmitted disease. And I, I kind of like the idea that it's permanent. There was, That was a, a plot thread in one of my favorite shows years ago, Farscape, and they never picked up on it because the show got canceled, but there were the Nabari, and they had this, this secret plan where they were like a totalitarian, or totalitarian government who would brainwash most of its citizens, but they wanted to expand outward to other planets. So the way they did that was they, they cultivated a resistance movement against them who were people who were like overly sexualized, who would chafe against the, the kind of chaste system of, of of their culture and then 
they encouraged them to rebel and escape so that they would spread their free love message around the, the galaxy, spreading this this STD that would, I think they would like flip a switch one day and everybody would go crazy and that was sort of their plan. But they never, presumably like season five would have been that. So I'm saying the sequel to this is sort of like that's their plan. The Tantrics are trying to take over the universe by turning everyone into sex-crazed monsters. And that's the thing is, you know, once they mutate, they their sex drives go out of control. That, that wasn't necessarily a part of the first movie, but you don't really get a lot about what the alien is or how it behaves so I'm just saying it, it's a sex monster because everything else about the movie is about dirty dirty sex anyway so might as well make the, the monster a, a sexual creature as well and that gets me to my prequel and for the prequel I'm just going with the, the doctor character and that first mission where they go to the Again, they say it's time travel and they never bring it back but I'm, I'm adding this as a, a, a very crucial part of the mythology of Lethal Target the fact that these creatures aren't aliens they're human mutants and the idea is in the future the mutant we see in the first step first movie that is what humanity has become in the far-flung future so you have this ship they're conducting this this time travel experiment and the first time they, they open up a portal but immediately this virus kind of comes through the portal there, there's like a biological contaminant alarm and a, a couple of people get infected and so and th that's in the original movie too it starts out as a virus she's like the, the the doctor character is the queen bee she's infected with it but she can scratch other people and infect them that way but the the viral sort of airborne form of that virus comes out of the the time portal they open that they open before any aliens or anything do and uh, the, the, that's why all the crew is in cryogenic stasis because all but a skeleton crew goes into cryostasis to protect themselves from the virus or preserve themselves if they're already infected and then the idea is the, the crew left behind including the doctor is, is going to open up another portal and go through it to see if they can figure out what this virus is where it came from what it is and, and how to cure it so that's that's the mission that's why they go in. and maybe they don't even know it's the future maybe they, they, they just think it's a portal and they find out that it's the future and then they go to this future world and humanity has devolved into these fucking creepy viral monsters and the, the idea is they you know they fucking kill everything that moves everything that is or isn't them and so they've run out of food and run out of things to fuck because they, they're just that much like if you imagine the xenomorph aliens if they ever are let out on earth earth is doomed because they'll just keep replicating until they kill everything on the planet it's like that only they fuck them as well fuck them to death and then the main arc of the story would be the Doctor character sort of uh, you know, going native and, and becoming one with them and, and sharing their values and deciding she's going to bring the virus back in time. And maybe it's even like a grandfather paradox sort of thing where it exists because it sent itself back in time, the virus, which would eventually create the future human monsters. It had to, be, it had to go back in time to infect people in the first place. Or I, don't, I mean, I don't know if you even go that far with it. Although I think you do have like a love story, like a Beauty and the Beast thing with the Doctor and like the main fucked up alien creature. And when you, if you look up like a the screenshot of this, and I recommend you just do that and don't actually watch the movie, you'll see it's like a really fucking monstrous. It looks very much like the Xenomorph. So the idea of having like a love story between one of those things and a human, I think that would just be kind of cool. But that's all I got for that, and that gets me to my spinoff. And for my spinoff, I'm going back to the asteroid mining prison planet and basically making the movie that I thought this was going to turn out to be when I first started watching it, which was basically a women in prison film but set in space. And like I said, there are, there are a couple of those at least that I know of. There's Star Slammer, which I know is on my list, and there's Caged Heat 3000, which I believe has Lisa Boyle in it, who was a mainstay of the, the 90s straight-to-video uh, softcore porn movies. But anyway, I'm saying it's, it's one of those, but it's set on this asteroid mining thing, and 
I mean, you get you get all the tropes of of you know the 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 women in prison movie, the the, the vague lesbianism and the the chick fights and everything just set in space. But then you have an overarching mystery where what are they mining for or what are they digging up? Because the idea is that they're not using the rocks for anything. It's not like the rocks are a special material. They're just rocks. So it seems like they're trying to expose something under the ground of this thing rather than mining any sort of material. And then you would find out by the end of the movie that what they're mining is, I guess, a quote-unquote alien ship. That the idea is they did a time travel experiment before, but they did it very deliberately, knowing they were going into the future to try to steal advanced technology from the future and bring it to the past. And what came out was like a future spaceship piloted by one of those fucking crazy sexual aliens. But they, they didn't necessarily know that because when they, they sent it back in time, they beamed it directly into an asteroid. So this prison planet was built over this asteroid in order to dig out the ship to, to access the, the advanced technology, not knowing that there's also a crew full of these fucking crazy aliens inside of it as well, presumably in hibernation or suspended animation or something, waiting to wake up and kill everyone. And obviously that's the third act of the movie where they finally crack it open, they, they find a hatch sort of lost style, they open it up and all these fucking aliens come out. And then that could be also the reveal of why it's all women on this prison planet. It, maybe it's just, maybe it's because the government knew the aliens were down there and they wanted them to, to be able to, maybe they want to use the aliens as a, a living weapon as well. They want to like train them or reverse engineer them genetic, with genetic engineering or something, but they wanted a healthy stock of them. Oh yeah, that's, maybe there's only one alien in it, but they want him to be able to impregnate enough women to create more of the alien species so that they can cultivate an army of them for their own ends. And that, I think that's even better. So yeah, let's, let's do that. Uh, when we go into production for this prequel to this fucking movie nobody knows about, well, that'll be the twist ending. And that's my spinoff, which I don't know if it's kind of also a prequel or not, but anyway, that's that. And and I, I think you can detect in my voice that I, I don't really care much about these, because I didn't really care much about this movie. I'm sorry. I, I feel like I'm a bad podcast host, but I'm giving you the information nonetheless, even if I'm not particularly excited about it. And that gets me to crossover. And for this one, I, I did actually kind of like this idea. Uh, the end of the, the movie, and I do have to spoil the very end, but again, there's nothing to spoil. Basically, she blows up the ship, and she uh, she gets in her little spaceship and flies away just in time, and it explodes, and that's it. So I'm saying you, you start there as sort of a direct sequel that leads directly into this crossover where Nikki Savage is on her ship, she's escaped, but what she doesn't realize is that that another embryo, like the, the, the smaller version of the alien that bursts out of the pregnant lady's stomachs, it snuck on board. It hasn't evolved into a full alien yet, but it's on the sh- it's on her ship. And as she's escaping, she gets attacked, and she gets it, it infects her. And as she's fighting with it, she's like wrestling with it, and then she falls into a suspended animation chamber and is is you know frozen along with this alien that's now inside of her. And it's a juvenile version of the alien, so it's like sort of an, a a symbiotic or parasitic relationship with her, unlike the normal aliens, which they, eventually they will grow into giant forms. This one, it's like I said, it's in this sort of like larval state. And so she's frozen in time for hundreds, thousands of years, I don't know how long, but the ship is on autopilot when it detects it doesn't have a pilot, uh, you know, flying it, so it just flies home to what it knows to be Earth, uh, that, you know, it's, it's sort of home base. But it takes, because it's only on impulse power, it takes, you know, hundreds of thousands of years, and by that point, we get to the even farther flung future of this universe, and we find out it's the same universe as the City of a Thousand Planets, which, uh, if you never saw that movie, it was the Luc Besson film from a couple of years ago with Dane DeHaan and 
uh, what's her face? Uh, the 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 enchantress from Suicide Squad, Cara Delevingne, and, and they were these two like sort of space agents who would hunt aliens. And there was this. I, I guess it started out as a satellite, and then it grew into this giant sort of mechanical city planet where all these aliens and humans would meet and intermingle. Very beautiful looking movie with a lot of interesting, fun set pieces. No real plot, well well constructed plot to speak of, and the characters were fucking bullshit. Not an enjoyable film, but. A fun film, if that makes any sense. But I'm saying you expand out the world of that where in the, in the time Nikki Savage has been gone flying on impulse power back to Earth, humanity has evolved into, uh, they've met other aliens and they, they they've established these diplomatic relations and then the ship crashes into the city of a thousand planets. Nikki Savage wakes up, the alien like snaps out of her body, grows really big and becomes like its full sized form and is, is, and she has to hunt it down on this new, uh, like fucking, Frankenstein planet of, of all these ships. I think that's what it was. It was like a bunch of alien ships that kind of built off one another. And then the, at the center of it is that original human satellite or space station. And, and so she teams up with, I don't even remember their fucking names. Oh, I mean, one of them is Valerian. I assume that's the Dane DeHaan character. And they, they team up to fight this new alien menace. But the twist is it, it releases pheromones that make everyone on the planet, all these different aliens just want to fuck each other in this giant bacchanal orgy. Because that's the idea is how it, how it attracts its prey. It, it makes them all sort of horny and want to get fucked and then it fucks them to death. So it's, it's, you know, hunting its prey on this ship and everybody's starting fucking. It's turning into this like hedonistic bonanza of all these interracial aliens and I guess interspecies aliens and not necessarily interracial or both. I don't know how that works. But, uh, the, the, the other twist is, it's it's you know impregnating these aliens and every time it impregnates something that that's other than human sort of like the xenomorph it takes on traits of the thing that it impregnates when it grows into its monstrous form when it you know it, it impregnates somebody then it, then the the child gets birthed out and it's a little different depending on the alien host so you get sort of like a gremlins 2 vibe where you know they have different kinds of this this xenomorph style alien and like an army of them slowly building over the course of the movie as Valerian and Nikki Savage and whatever Cara Delevingne's name was in that movie uh, have to hunt them down and kill them. And maybe at the end they have to fucking explode the city of a thousand planets in order to get rid of them so they don't spread throughout the galaxy. And then that in itself could be just a really good metaphor for how uh, really disappointing that film was. Uh, and Lethal Target, that film as well. We kill the aliens, and we kill the city of a thousand planets, and this it's a dual metaphor for how both of these movies should have been better. Uh, so that that's my crossover for, for uh, Lethal Target and City of uh, a Thousand Planets. Or is it Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets? I can't remember. Anyway, uh, you remember that movie. Uh, you, if you, you probably didn't see it. It didn't do well. Uh, but anyway, that gets me to number five, which is my gritty reboot for Lethal Target. And this one is a little weird. Normally, when I when I do my gritty reboot, I, I just sort of pitch, like, if I was going to remake this today, what director would I put on it? And normally, I think of, what kind of movie is it? Or, in my idealized form, what kind of movie do I want it to be? And then I try to think of another director, like, has, who has done that kind of movie. Like, if I want, like, a sci-fi with a, with a political satire bent, maybe I'll do, you know, Paul Verhoeven. This... I went in an opposite direction. I said, well, what is this kind of movie? I, there really, really is no idealized form of this movie that I can think of. I don't want this movie to be remade. So I also was kind of thinking, like, is there a director that I don't really like? But at the same time, you know, I want to I, I want to find a director who hasn't done a movie like this and just see see what they would do with it. And again, maybe a director that 
I'll just, I'll just throw it out. I'm burying the lead. Rob Zombie is the name I picked. I have not ever really loved a Rob Zombie movie. I can't remember if it was House of a Thousand Corpses or whatever the other one was, the sequel, or maybe that was the sequel. There was there were two of those, and I remember kind of liking one of them. I didn't like either of his Halloween movies, but I'm kind of interested to see what he would do with a sci-fi movie. And, you know, I, I think especially if we, we do like a dark, dirty, twisted version of it, which if he's making the movie, it's going to be that, make it like that sort of sexy Bioshock where it was sexual experiments gone wrong that led to this fucked up space station full of monsters. I think Rob Zombie would be would kind of be be cool with that. I, again, I don't know. He's never done sci fi, but I'm, I, I want to see him try it. I want to see him experiment with that and, and make like uh, like. I'm envisioning sort of like Dead Space, if you ever played that video game, you know, that, but with, with uh, Stuart Gordon-style, you know, sexual depravity. And I'd originally thought of Stuart Gordon, but I think I've already used him for one, plus I feel like he's too good for even this remake of this shitty movie. So I'm saying Rob Zombie, and obviously if you're going to recast Nikki Savage, it's going to be, uh, what's her name, Sherry Moon Zombie, his wife, who's in all of his movies. And I don't have a problem with that, I don't think she's a bad actress necessarily. Uh, but uh, I mean, obviously he's going to be putting her in intensely sexual situations as well, so it might as well cast his wife in it. And, you know, since you're doing that, I mean, you have the doctor, and in the, in the original movie, she's a woman, and that's to facilitate the lesbian sex scenes, but I actually think it'd be creepier if that, if that's a dude, and he's still just as sort of sexual, like, you, you get kind of a rapey context with it, and he can be a, a legitimate, I mean, she's a villain, but I mean, he would be a much more kind of grisly villain, and I'm saying you bring back Malcolm McDowell, who's in both Halloween movies as uh, the, the Sam Loomis character, here you have him be the, the, the creepy, sexually depraved doctor or villain and you're trying to now now the romancing scene becomes less purient because in the in the movie I I don't know if I even mentioned this I feel like you probably could have assumed this based on my description of Lethal Target but the sexy lesbian doctor lady is also trying to seduce Nikki Savage so I'm saying you still have that relationship that dynamic but it's just it's even creepier because it's this creepy old British man and it's Malcolm McDowell who's always great so that's my idea for the gritty reboot for Lethal Target and that gets me to the back half where I talk about all the stuff that isn't movies, starting with the TV show. And for the TV show, I envision it as, you know, I mean, I still say it's like interstellar space travel. It's it's set on board this ship. And I, I can't really think of a good example of another TV show that really had this structure. I was going to throw out like, like a slow burn event horizon sort of thing, but obviously that's a movie. But the trailers I'm seeing for the new Night Flyer show, which is, it's based on the, the George R. R. Martin short story, which was actually made into a movie in the 80s, which I, I have on my list to watch. Or maybe that was a 90s movie. But anyway, like, but set on a spaceship, but a, you know, a sort of slow burn horror story. And I, I say you, you, you get rid of the, the sort of like retrospective structure of the film where something happened prior to the start of the film and they're sending this person to investigate. I say here you just have Nikki Savage already on board as the marshal you find out later on she's undercover because the last marshal disappeared but the the events are happening contemporaneously with that it's not like she's coming in after the fact to investigate what happened she's on this ship and it's happening in real time the ship is ostensibly it's got a crew in cryogenic stasis and I'm saying like a lot of the stuff I pitched from a prequel kind of holds true for that. But maybe maybe instead of the, them going in there because of a virus, maybe it was uh, like the, it's a colony ship, so they've been in cryo this whole time. But there's a secret experiment going on board the ship with this time travel device. Maybe they found an alien device floating in space or something, and they're testing it out in deep space. And of course they do it. They release the virus. They release the monsters. But it's it's you know little pieces at a time. Maybe the monsters 
can't come out. Maybe they're infecting people's minds or something. So maybe just some way to sort of drag it out. See, I was going to say season to season, but I don't know. I feel, I feel like you would only get one season out of this, but you would culminate in the invasion of these monsters and the co-option of the Doctor character as the main villain of the series, the sort of Gaius Baltar of the show. And I'm thinking you can have, you know, you talk about Nikki Savage as this undergoing undercover as this non-monogamous tantric, this member of this sexualized religious cult. But I'm saying you make that a separate character, maybe the ship's counselor, sort of the Deanna Troy of the ship. And you can obviously have a bigger skeleton crew as well. You can build out the cast. But she is one of these tantric uh, religious people, and she uses that that sexual freedom ethic in her counseling and is conducting like you can kind of separate that out from the doctor character she's you know doing these experiments on this alien virus and she's still evil but the sexual experiments are being done by this counselor who is equally evil and is sort of spreading this weird uh, like like sexual philosophy throughout the ship and she finds common cause with the aliens and so does the the doctor and maybe they form like an evil ilsa lesbian relationship and you know take over the ship by the end of the season and I don't really have like a season two or three or like an arc buildup, but I, I see like the, the season finale, you know, they, they open up the portal, they're trying to send them back, and then Nikki Savage is fighting them, and then Nikki Savage goes through the portal with the last alien, and that's the last scene. She finds herself in this future world covered with monsters and has to fend for herself, and obviously she'd get out of it by the next season. Oh well, no, obviously the show would get canceled and we'd never find out what happens to Nikki Savage in the future, but that would be my idea for the TV show for Lethal Target. And that gets me to the video game, and I have a couple of ideas for the video game. The first is is fairly generic. Uh, I'm just thinking, you know, prior to like, I was going to say prior to like the Me Too movement, but it was it was before that. Before we started concerning ourselves with 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 feminism and gaming, and we still don't to to a large extent. But and I don't want to get into like a GamerGate Anita Sarkeesian thing. I'm I'm not that guy. But just there was a point where video games were more salacious and purient and more surrounding the male gaze than they are today. I'm thinking of that dividing line between Tomb Raider, as traditionally understood, giant boobs, and then the current Tomb Raider games where it's like, she's an adventurer and she's a real character now. She doesn't need to have giant boobs. I'm saying there was that, that transition from one way we made games to another where, you know, you'd have stuff like Bayonetta. Like, I don't think you can make a game like Bayonetta today, or at least it wouldn't be taken seriously. And, and I'm not saying that's a bad game, but if you watch that game, the male gaze is all over it. Every fucking cutscene is going up Bayonetta's ass, and of course her clothing is her hair that the more you attack, the more it goes off of her and you see more of her body. And that's, and I know that I've heard arguments of like, oh, why can't a woman be confident with her sexuality even in a game? And it's like, nah, yeah, she can. But that wasn't made for women. They weren't doing that so that women could go, oh, I commend her for her strong showing of her sexuality. No, that was for dudes to gawk at Bayonetta. And, and maybe I'm naive to say they don't make those games as much anymore, or, or at least we treat them differently. I know there was a, a game recently, like an indie title, I think it was called like Haiti where it was this one like female character and she was just outrageously proportioned she had this giant ass and breasts and but she had no face and she was like an android and she would go through this obstacle course and what you thought was like really just sort of shameless as you played the game you realized it was a deconstruction of that where like 
the fact that she was objectified was the point of the story, and it was very heavy-handed. But like you'd see like dead versions of her on the in the testing ground and stuff, and it's like, oh, this is this is all we're using her for. And it was it was actually I thought kind of brilliant, but a lot of people made fun of it just because of the superficiality of how sexualized the character was. So I'm saying you do something like that with what is otherwise a typical sort of action adventure game, set following the plot of the movie. I mean, obviously there have to be more aliens involved because the aliens don't come into the third act, but you can fight aliens and maybe the sex cultists maybe they get take over taken over you don't even see any of them in the movie it's just nikki savage is uh you know taking uh, being undercover as one but i'm saying you can include them into the game because you need to expand the story a little more and uh maybe maybe they're not the sex cultists maybe the doctor has brainwashed the rest of the crew or something but what you do is you include the sort of hypersexuality that kind of Tomb Raider or Bayonetta style where all the female characters are just incredibly sexualized, but the plot of the movie is so darkly, like, dirty anti-sex. It's, it's you know, sex is equals turning into a monster or sex equals evil. So you're, you're titillated and then punished for your being titillated all at the same time to sort of, again, deconstruct that idea of what a lot of games used to be sort of shamelessly and without any sort of commentary or deconstruction. You, you do that same game just sort of insulting the, the, the player while they're playing it. Uh, my other idea was if you want to go more old school retro, I, I can't remember. I think there was a game. It was like, like alien infection or something, or I can't, but it was like a top down game, sort of like Zelda, but it was on a spaceship and you had to rescue people and shoot aliens. And I remember it was a Nintendo game and I'm saying do something like that, but add like a, like a John Carpenter's the thing element to it where you rescue people and you have a timer and maybe you have a map of where the people are, or maybe where the aliens are. I don't know. Or maybe you can find items that can add to your map so you can find a radar to, that can find people or a radar that can find aliens. But then once you rescue people, you don't necessarily know if an alien has already gotten to them. So like they follow you around sort of like if you ever play like an old school RPG where your party would follow behind you. Not all of them did that, but like Fantasy Star games, you'd have like, when you'd recruit somebody, he'd follow as you walked. So all the, the victims that you save, or all the, the people that you rescue, are following you, but if you missed one, if you didn't get to them in time, and they were infected by one of these aliens, they're like a time bomb waiting to pop, and they just like explode, and, and they kill all the other people around you if you can't kill it fast enough. So there's sort of a timing element there, too. You have to kill it before it kills everybody else you've rescued, and it's sort of like Zombies Ate My Neighbors. You have to rescue all these people randomly placed around the board, and on any given level, if you lose one, you get one less person to rescue in all the other levels, and if you lose all the people, then you lose, you lose the game. Again, just like Zombies Ate My Neighbors. So... That's what I'm saying. If you want to go a little retro with it, that could also be an adaptation uh, for Lethal Target, this this movie that shouldn't have gotten a sequel, let alone a video game adaptation, and that's why it didn't. So that gets me from video game to merchandising toy line, and you know that this uh, there really wasn't a lot here, honestly. I did think the alien looked a lot like just in terms of how it was built and how it moved. It looked a lot like, you know, those little remote control robots you can buy in stores. So I thought it'd be kind of cool to have a, like a remote control version of that alien. I mean, I, now that I think about that, just doing the xenomorph from alien like that, I, I don't know. They must have done that at some point, haven't they? If not, they should. That would be fucking awesome. But speaking of alien for, for the toy line, and that's really all I had with it. Because this movie is so fucking close to Alien, it's a shameless ripoff, I say you just take all the toys from the 90s Alien toy line, which I don't feel like was that successful a toy line. I only know because I had the toys as a kid, and my mom would never buy toys 
that were popular, they would she would buy them when they went on clearance. And what she would do is, she I think I told this on the podcast before, she would uh, basically get me into whatever it was. She would buy all the toys. She'd buy the entire set because they were clearanced out because nobody cared because it was like a like based on a failed TV show like Pirates of Dark Water or Toxic Crusaders. These are two actual examples I'm remembering of toys I had as a kid. And Police Academy, the cartoon, if you ever watched that, I had all the toys from that. But anyway, she would wait till it would bomb on TV. They'd get, want to get rid of all the toys, so they'd sell them for like a dollar. She'd buy the whole set, and then she'd buy the VHS videotape of that show and show it to me. And I hadn't seen it on TV because it, you know, it bombed. It was like one season. But she'd like, hey, this is your new favorite show, right? Pirates of Dark Water? Let's watch it. And then I'd watch it, and I'm like, I love Pirates of Dark Water. And to be fair, it was a great cartoon. Uh, canceled well before its time. And then after I had sufficiently fallen in love with it, she'd go, well, guess what? I bought you all the toys. And I never knew the sneaky fucking dastardly thing she did in between. But I just had all the toys to my new favorite show. So I'm saying the alien toy line, which was terrible, uh, I had those as well. So I'm assuming it was a failed toy line. And, and so I'm saying you take all the ones that are left over in stock in a warehouse somewhere, you just do some slight repaints on them, and you just release them as lethal target toys. Because, you know, I'm amazed that toys haven't really evolved that much from when I'm a kid. In fact, they seem a lot worse. I mean, I had, I mean, I'm not talking like the McFarlane ones. I know they have the hot toys now, but a lot of like regular toys you buy, they don't look any better and in many cases worse than the ones I played with. It seemed like they, they, they took more care back in the day. I think because most of the kids shows at the time were like just designed to sell toys. It was always like Transformers and G.I. Joe and stuff. So they took the time with them. But now, Nobody seems to care. So I'm saying you just find an old warehouse full of alien toys, uh, change the hair color on some of them, maybe add some spikes or greebles or whatever to the alien toys, and then uh, just release them again to the unsuspecting public. And then they can go, Lethal Target? That's my favorite movie. <laughs> or, or alternatively, well, wait, Lethal Target toys? This doesn't look like this is going to go anywhere. I think I'm going to show the movie to my child, sight unseen, and then I'm going to buy them all the toys like my mom did, and then they're all going to show their kids softcore porn, and then uh, we will be a much worse off world for it. So that's my, my idea for a toy line for Lethal Target. And that gets me to, to number eight on my list, everybody's favorite section of the podcast, and I will say easily the most creatively fulfilling of the podcast sections, the porn parody title, where I pitch a title that is uh, planned for the the porn parody of the movie I watched, because you know they they don't do them creatively anymore. They don't do like like Edward Penis Hands or Clockwork Orgy. It's always just you know Lethal Target, a porn parody, or this ain't Lethal Target. So I'm saying bring back the grand tradition of funny, clever, ironic porn parody titles. So for, for Lethal Target, this was kind of a hard one, because ironically, even though the movie itself is softcore porn, it the title doesn't really lend itself to a, a kitschy porn parody. I finally settled on, you know, you have Lethal Targets, I'm saying Lethal Harlots, which, you know, Harlot, I mean, it's a, it's an old-timey kind of kind of word, it's like, it puts me in mind of the Old West, I actually think that'd be a cool title for like, like they had a rash of them in the 90s, they had like bad girls and banditas and gang of roses, where it was like sexy ladies in the Old West with guns, and so I'm saying this could be something like that, but I mean obviously it's a porn parody of a sci-fi movie, so Lethal Harlots, or maybe Gleeful Harlots, is that, I don't know, I like Lethal Harlots, because they're still going to be be killing people, but they'll just be fucking them too, because it's, a, well, they're, they're, of course that's in the, the real movie, see again, pitching a porn parody to a porn movie... I don't know, it doesn't really work. So, anyway, that's it. Lethal Harlots, I don't have anything else. Yeah, I think Lethal Harlots is better than Gleeful Harlots. Lethal Harlots, and that's my porn parody, and that gets me to the, the last part of the podcast, which is the drinking game. 
And because I'm remembering to do it this time, I'm going to preface this instead of saying it after the fact. Don't try this at home. Uh, I don't drink myself. I don't advise that you do. I'm not going to tell you how to live your life, but don't drink to excess. Drink responsibly, or just don't blame me if you decide not to drink responsibly. And I, I'm not going to play this, these drinking games myself because I, I tend to suggest things like drink whenever you do this or drink whenever you do that that happen way too much in the movie. I feel like if anybody actually played any of the drinking games I ever pitch, they're going to die of alcohol poisoning. So don't try this at home. But anyway, the drinking game for Lethal Target. I'm saying uh, every time, because uh, you can't say every time they fuck or every time you see nudity, because that's too much. So I'm saying every time within the context of the nudity, you see somebody sucking on a titty. Because that happens a lot in movies like this. And I, I mean, I'm not like a connoisseur of softcore porn, but it seems like there's a lot more like breast sucking or, or tit sucking, nipple sucking. What, what do you want to call it? What, how deep do I want to dig my, my rhetorical hole here? Uh, I don't want to talk about holes when I'm talking about this movie. But anyway, uh, it's just, it seems like, like, because it's softcore, you're not seeing penetration. I feel like that's just like one of their go-to things where like, I, I guess I can suck on her nipple. And so it just happens a lot, especially with, cause a lot of these scenes are lesbian scenes. So it, I just, it feels like it happens more than it ever does in actual sex or any of the actual sex I've had anyway. I, I don't really have like a mommy fetish. So the idea of like breastfeeding isn't arousing to me. Not that I'm saying I'm averse to, to sucking on a nipple, I guess, in the, in the throes of passion but I don't know, it's just not a thing that I associate with sex so much that like, that I would feel that it's justified given how much it happens in a movie like this, or in softcore movies in general. But anyway, anytime you see somebody sucking on a nipple, you take a drink. Uh, maybe even do a shot of milk, maybe, maybe do like a little theme thing. Uh, anytime you hear somebody reference the fact that Nikki Savage is a tantric, because the, the doctor does it constantly, like, oh, she's a tantric. She's gonna wanna have sex with all of us because she's a tantric. Isn't it, isn't she a tantric? Anytime she fucking mentions that shit, take a drink. Of semen. You know, just to keep up with the theme. Uh, and then, anytime you see outdated technology, so anytime they bust out their fucking 90s era laptops, or their fucking floppy disk, I swear to god, I'm not gonna watch the movie again to find out even that scene. Watch, no, I'm gonna say watch the movie just for that. Don't watch the movie. I'm just gonna tell you, I'm gonna promise you, and you're gonna take my word for it. She puts a fucking floppy disk into that goddamn machine. But anyway, anytime you see anything like that, and I'm saying including the guns, cause the guns are outdated technology. They should have fucking laser guns. But they have regular guns that I'm assuming they took off the set of some non-sci-fi action movie. Anytime you see any kind of outdated technology like that, and including the, the sort of bad CGI and the, the terminals, which is, you know, not as good as what we have now in the year 2018. Uh, you, you take a drink. I, I was trying to come up with, like, a third thing of, like, the, the theme running joke, but all I could think of was battery acid, and I don't really even jokingly recommend that. I already jokingly recommended semen. I think I'm already uh, in a bad place here, at least when it comes to my liability for lawsuits. So that's my podcast. That was Head Cannon for this week. The only thing left to do is tell you what I'm going to do next week, and next week is actually a special episode. It's episode 30, and I remember every 10 episodes, it's my choice week, where I get to choose what I'm going to watch, and next week, I, I, I had it down to two things, and I finally settled on one. I'm not, you know, I'm not even going to give you the other one, because I don't want I, I might do that next time for the next season, so I, I don't want to want to give it away. So I'm just going to tell you what I finally settled on, and that was Americathon. And you might remember that because that movie, because I talked about it when I talked about Collision Course, the Jay Leno, Pat Morita action comedy from uh, 1989, and uh, I love that movie quite a bit. 
and I was looking up Jay Leno's filmography, and he was in a movie called Americathon, which I remembered from when I was a kid because I had it. Uh, my I was a big Elvis Costello fan, and my mom bought it for me because he he's in it, and he just I, she thought I would enjoy it. And I don't remember if I watched it or not, or maybe if I just watched his scene in it. But it's called Americathon. And it's got John Ritter as the president of the United States who has to run a telethon to fix the, the, the U.S. budget because Native Americans want to take their land back. I believe that's the premise of the movie. But more importantly, Jay Leno is in the movie. And according to IMDb, he plays a character named Poopy Butt. And I am so fucking fascinated with this that I've got to watch this movie to figure out why the hell his name is Poopy Butt. It's probably going to be a disappointing explanation, but I, I need to find out anyway. It, it tasks me. It tasks me why his name is Poopy Butt. So I'm going to watch Americathon next week as my my choice where I, I, I can dispense with the randomization mechanic and just pick a movie deliberately, and that's the movie Americathon. So stay tuned for that. Thanks for listening. And as Johnny Red always says, walk on water, eat bullets, and shit out ice cream. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>